the way I had psychosis, it was very public and I did it very much over social media. And then when I came out of it, I was sort of very open with it and discussed it quite a lot. It meant that those people were sort of confiding me, being like, I've had that, or my brother's had that. And I just realised that actually, I know about maybe not 10, but at least five close-ish people that have had the same or similar things or very close relation that's had the same thing. My name is James Cure. This is Everything is Hunky Dory, a podcast where we spark the conversation about mental health. Each week I'll be sitting down with a close friend and giving quality time to a conversation we may never have had. The more we can see, understand and talk about mental health, the more people we can help. On the podcast today is a close friend of mine, Chris. He is 25 years old and has recently moved back to London from Bristol. And he has a new job working as a runner and assistant at an advertising agency. I went to school with Chris and looking back, it's amazing to see how he developed from a skinny kid to a confident and hairy events organiser and now junior ad man. But it wasn't all plain sailing. His parents' marriage broke up around our teenage years and on a trip to Asia, he developed a state of manic psychosis, which manifested itself in some very uncharacteristic posts on social media. It gave himself a chance to evaluate his own mental health and he is all the stronger for it. I invited him over for some uh, anchovy pasta and we sat down on my bedroom floor to have a chat. Okay, so this is the first ever recording of uh, Everything is Hunky Dory. I've got my mate Chris here. We went to school together. We've uh, known each other for what, over 10 years now? Yeah, 12 years, 13 years. Yeah. Since um, we 13. And Chris was kind of one of the first people I thought about when I was thinking about doing this podcast. Just because the idea behind this podcast is, from my point of view for the last couple of years, it seems that not only do I not talk enough to my friends about the things that are going wrong in my life or just the issues that I've got that I'm thinking about in my head, but also that I think the wider public in terms of men, but also in in terms of women as well, not enough people are actually talking about what, you know, what's going on with them, if it's negative or if it's positive. There seems to be a lack of actually delving into someone's inner psyche. It's very easy to keep your thoughts on a, you know, general basis. You say hello to someone and you say... Yeah. Well, you'd be like, you're right. Yeah, I'm all right. Are you yeah, all right? exactly. And it's so easy to do, and we all do it. But it's actually <laughs> trying to take the time to say, well, delve a little deeper. And, yeah, yeah, everyone's everyone's got stuff going on with them, and to be able to talk about that in a situation like this, yeah, it's good. Could be quite interesting. We uh, think this we could think, flow. Yeah, yeah. Well, don't know. Yeah, that's the first one. <laughs> um, so, Chris, um, how are you? That's the big question. Um, I think generally at the moment, really, really good place. Um, it's been it's been a, quite a strange six months. I've had quite a, a strange journey from being sort of living in Bristol with an ex girlfriend, a really dramatic breakup, which we can go into, <laughs> and then coming back to London, wanting to do a different job, and sort of being kind of at square one, find a job. And to be fair, from about six months, I started to feel like I was in a job that was I was moving in the right career direction, not perfect, but right career direction. Felt a bit more comfortable relationship wise. Uh, and then felt like kind of resettled with friends. And then this has just been such a great summer. I've had such a good time. Okay, so that was good. That was good. Um, shall we move on to our first topic of the day? Yeah. Let's talk about mental health mm-hmm. within men, because we we know okay. what that's like. We don't really know what we do. We do. Um, why do you think it's becoming so much more of a bigger issue right now? I mean, I looked at the I looked at yeah. you know, the last week. I've seen two or three articles. I've seen things on YouTube. I've seen different yeah. celebrities doing different things, trying to get word out I think it's been quite a slow change but you've had some really great charities so you've had some really high profile incidents you've had people like Robin Williams who's like or Anthony Bourdain what's the name of the chef yeah Bourdain Bourdain yeah that's it and it was this like Dave Chappelle which is a really funny joke that was like Anthony Bourdain he's like he lived it's really dark but quite funny (laughs) he literally had the best job in the world he travelled around to where he wanted the best place in the world with whichever amazing celebrity he wanted ate the best food in the world yeah and still he killed himself. And he was like, but he actually ended up comparing it to this guy who was a really shit life. And he's like, why haven't you killed yourself? Yeah. <laughs> it's like really dark. No, but it's true. It's but, it's, but like, even the fact that that's like being spoken about, and I think that that high profileness of it is like, 
those are two of the people who are meant to be like Robin Williams probably one of the most loved comedians and yeah. probably one of the most loved chefs like to amazing don't they jobs. say comedians though are sort of uh, pessimists yes in deep life. down yeah, yeah because true. they have that it's like an inner but yeah but the fact we're even talking about that now yeah. is like amazing yeah. back in the day where it's like men the tough upper lip oh yeah no like, that thing of like man up is so oh god yeah it's so like derogatory in a way to, to say that to a guy because I don't know you can't really stereotype any type of guy and look at them and say well they're the, they're the atypical man because you could have some guy who is football captain yeah. and you know has this amazing job and stuff but still finds it difficult to talk to a woman or finds it difficult to take you know to be confident in a group of people he doesn't yeah. know like there's no formula for a guy to be action man that can do everything James Bond type guy it's, it's no, very that's what's portrayed like classically in like the media that's like like you said like James Bond is the classic like man's man mm. but I think I think it's it might realistic. it's like a development in appreciation of different people's diversities mm. in terms of the fact that you know talking about sexuality nowadays is it, the, the, the topic is so big and the fact that we, yeah we're even having a discussion now as to I mean we've had this discussion mm-hmm. a couple of times maybe over the years yeah, but yeah. it's taken us to our mid 20s to really sit down and go We've both been through like a lot of stuff, yeah. and there's stuff that maybe a 15 year old might look at and go, "God, I didn't think anyone else was having those thoughts, or didn't think anyone else was thinking didn't about that." One, because yeah. yeah, I guess from my own personal experiences as well. Um, but even from me having psych, the way I had psychosis was or break into it in different ways. It was very public, and I did it very much over social media. Yeah. So those people liked me, and then when I came out of it. I was sort of very open with it and discussed it quite a lot. And it wasn't necessarily because... I, I feel like people are always like, oh, you're so brave, like the way you dealt with that. Blah, blah. And I don't necessarily think I did that because I'm brave or anything. I think I did that because I was so public with when I had psychosis. I kind of didn't have a choice. My, my hand was kind of forced. But the way that I did, and it was like such a public, like, I've literally been sectioned, I'm out, blah, 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 and everyone knew about it. And it was like, I just had to talk about it the whole time just to explain it and I just explained it in a really natural way it meant that those people were sort of confiding in me being like I've had that or my brother's had that and I just realised that actually I know about maybe not ten but at least five close-ish people that have had the same or similar things or very close relation that's had the same things do you think Um, it aided your recovery in a way to be able to talk about that more and have people who who are going because it does seem that that's being able to discuss something like that, which normally yeah. maybe 50 years ago would have been kept within the family, uh-huh. would have been very, you know, shrouded upon it. Almost, as soon as you try and compact something and pretend it's not there, it becomes mm. more of an issue, especially as you're young and you become, you know, you go through the I think that's very much our parents' generations is, is they have troubles and stuff and they just sort of hide them and pretend it's all all right. I don't, especially with my parents. Yeah, no, no completely the same. Like, well, it's, you know, Americans. You, they hide, hide their problems and it's like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Yeah, oh my God, hide everything. Um, but it's not healthy and it just it's not true it's like if you kind of it's not nice to see your parents fighting all the time but if you never saw them have a disagreement you kind of think that oh relationships can be all this rosy ridiculous yeah. thing which they can never be completely like that are they yeah it's, it's kind of like the um, Disney paradox where like yeah. you you you. I mean we grew up at the, the perfect time where we we sort of were shown the Disney cartoons we looked at you know and to be fair to to those cartoons, they actually have a lot of some of balance, yeah. Yeah, a lot of, and they talk about you know, like I watched an analysis of the Lion King, and they show how Simba is the way that he is manipulated by Scar. Mm. He shows like really obvious signs of emotional distress, yeah, and he can't. He basically is removed from his family because he thinks he's killed his dad. Yeah, and then he's always trying to hide away from, oh, okay. but it's funny yeah. he, he never he never thinks he's good enough to be king yeah he's always trying to hide away from that thing that's kind of his birthright he's, you know he's, he's he's looking at this his dad who was this you know amazing amazing king, king and stuff and then he looks at himself and he doesn't see the value in himself and therefore he's like well I'll just stay in the jungle I don't need to go back and I don't need to be you know and there are other examples but it gets back to the point that we grew up in that situation where it's very easy to go you know the perfect life is out there we will meet the perfect girl yeah. you'll meet the... that happily ever after the myth <clears throat> yeah exactly and it's and it's it's very easy i mean i think i probably subscribe to it still yeah i, I you know i i love a rom-com where it ends <laughs> with like a happy um 
and it's just because it, <laughs> it, 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 it appeals to that part of you that yeah yeah it's that inner sort of nostalgic it's that kid doesn't it yeah um, I think there's also the element of like a sort of the adult myth as well um, where you kind of like when you're a kid you think your parents know everything yeah yeah it's so true the amount I, of times yeah, I think we both had that same sort of adult myth smashed by sort of the divorce I, yeah. don't, I don't know I did definitely to an extent where you start seeing like this perfect couple in your head and then suddenly it's like wow I can see them from different sides yeah Seeing them in the vision. This might be a good time to sort of move into, like, childhood stuff. Okay, all right, good, good. Just in terms of the fact that I, I understand that, yeah, when you're young, you look at your parents and you go, that well, they have everything sorted. They look after you and stuff. But then, yeah, it sort of, it breaks that thing of having that perfect family. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, also, we're both only ch- children. Yeah. Which I think is, when people have a divorce, sometimes I think it's very different if they're, they're brothers and sisters they sort of kind of group together everyone it almost makes it a bit closer but when you're an only child you're dealing with the whole thing yourself yeah and you've got no one else to talk about it with so I think it becomes even even more sort of inular sort of like you, you're sort of reading between the lines you, you can't really decode it with anyone and it sort of becomes a bigger thing so I think we've both kind of gone through that in similar ways it's kind of one of those things that you look back on and you sort of it's sort of very blurry you don't understand well you're four like, yeah you're literally four like, but at the same time four, but at the same time you sort of look at it and you, you also I would say there's a lot of things that I maybe overcompensate for because of that time. So it's again touching on the subject of the subconscious effect of these things happening yeah, to people. Definitely. You know, some people might be going through some stuff in their life. They might go to a therapist, and then that therapist may say all of your behavioural traits mm. and a lot of the negative ones come back from like your inner child being affected by certain traumas that it had to go through. Yeah, and like it's it's something that I've noticed recently having gone through that thought process is that i i for one hate confrontation i've i i, I we got into an argument with the taxi driver recently and i i genuinely had to sort of like part of me was like oh, i need to step up and do the manly thing and and have have a fight uh, and then the other half of me is like i need to get out of here i can't i can't be around yeah. arguing it's difficult to know what to do in those situations because like there's almost two neg- negatives that you're trying to avoid yeah. like you said the manliness of like I need to be the man here and fight off this <laughs> offender and then also like the am I being like am I avoiding confrontation and getting done over for no reason yeah even understanding the situation like I don't know what happened with the cab driver but even like that that sort of balance is is a bit ridiculous and, and fucking complicated because yeah. other than the cab driver is quite common I've done it many times no. <laughs> so do you do you think that there's anything like your psyche the where you could say having been an only child and having been mm. have having had divorced parents because I know yeah you know there, there are certain times where I've gone oh even like birthdays and stuff like oh it's it's kind of not weird but I have to get my parents into a situation not- yeah I don't know I, I feel like lucky in, well obviously divorce is fucking shit and um, it's not ideal but I feel lucky in what I have now that, that I've got really good relationships with both my parents and they can be in the same room together yeah. and it not be dramatic yeah they might be a little dig at each other sure. no, I can put- but I think you're similar in that way in that I've seen both parents in a room together and they obviously both love you to bits and they're both like that's the main focus yeah. I, I think I'm lucky in that sense because uh, I know loads of people where like maybe one parent's really fucked up and they're divorced and they don't have a relationship with them anymore and they've only got a relationship with one parent or they've got a relationship with both parents but they can't be in the same room together and it makes stuff like birthdays really complicated so I think we're both well I'm talking for myself really I'm sort of chucking you in with me no no I completely agree like, your input has an effect on it as well so if Absolutely. you if you're not dealing with it well as a child which you you know you can and you can't do but it, it's the way that you mature and then take on the situation you've been given yeah so, you're kind of yeah, you're making the best of a bad situation I think exactly okay so let's talk about favourite film okay uh, obviously yes I've told you what my two favourite films are I've written them out and I stick to my bloody guns and what my two favourite films are yeah it depends on my mood um, okay the classic I know it's so it's just a basic answer there's nothing wrong with being basic <laughs> no mate there's a reason it's the most popular um, it's Shawshank Redemption yeah. and it's just such a lovely story with such ups and such downs and so many such well rounded beautiful characters I think like Brooks Red you know it kind of shows those sort of the balance of good and evil in yeah. people I didn't realise that the, I haven't seen it that recently but the, the white guy he goes through a lot of shit in that and, film and Andy the main character yeah Andy yeah, yeah. goes through so much like he doesn't he get raped at one he gets, point he's getting yeah, yeah. systematically raped and you yeah. just, think, just think like that's 
and then he's got something he's got something going on with the uh, the head of the prison or something. Yeah, the it's... He's like working with him, but then he's like do, like doing his books, and then kind of like steals his money. Uh, there's so many elements of the story, and it's so well thought out. Obviously, there's loads of twists and turns. I, I mean, if you haven't watched it, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Yeah, uh, it's uh, top it's... of IMDb. <laughs> Can't miss it for a bloody reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a beautiful film. So yeah, for that reason, then another completely different film um, is Super Bad. Yeah. And this film, it really reminds me because when it came out, we were at school. Yeah, I remember. Uh, we watched it a lot at school, and then at uni back in the Stoner days, when we used to smoke a lot of weed, we used to smoke it once. We used to watch it once a week. <laughs> once a week. Yeah. Well, I remember. Didn't Tony, our other mate, he he used to watch it because he had insomnia. He'd watch it as he was every going to night. sleep yeah, every yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, you just yeah. think like that but is. That's what I used to live with him. We used to watch it once a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I can quote me and Tony can quote the whole thing. I'm pretty sure you can quote the whole thing as well. Yeah, I have watched it. it. It, it, it's just every line is gold and I like the story of it as well so yeah. it's written by Seth uh, Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg is it like writing yeah. partners and they have basically written and produced those films together but this is the film about them they'd written when they were teenagers and they wanted to make for ages but they had to do loads of other films to make the money to get yeah. the budget so they did Knocked Up and they did a few other average to good films to make the money to do it but in the time that they were doing it they were rewriting the script the whole time which is why for me I just think the script is like so bang on yeah literally every line is like gag 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 touching on that subject uh, very interesting from my point of view mm. so my favourite films are basically anything Damien Chazelle does um, I know Damien Chazelle is. I so mean, he, he he's the director of Whiplash and oh, yes. La La Land and oh. they are two of my favourites Love Whiplash, La La Land, fell asleep twice. So I get that, and people say that, but I think... I just didn't connect with it. I think, obviously, working in films, I have the, like, romanticised thing of this film industry and all yeah. that stuff. So speaking of it, Whiplash was his thing he needed to do before he then got to his dream project, which was La La Land. Oh, okay. Quite interesting. Interesting. Also, Whiplash, probably one of my favourite films, purely because I've never seen... <clears throat> someone get on film that feeling of wanting something so, so badly, badly. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's such an interesting yeah and it's, I feel like quite a male competitive yeah it does T5, it's so true no one's I think again yeah, no one's captured that it's like it's a teenager wanting to be good wanting to be good because I think the the the, uh, the teacher in that situation is so yeah. interesting because he, he he's not only driving but he 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 emotionally you could say controls this kid yeah. And obviously drives him. It's it's finding the balance as well because he says how, do you want to be great? And if you if you want to be great, I have to treat you in a way that's gonna put you through emotional strain. You know, I'm gonna be a dick to you one day, and you're gonna want to fight harder to make me like you again. And it's like, he's trying to find that balance because I think everyone wants to be driven, everyone wants to be yeah. successful, but at the same time, it's like not the jeopardy of everything else like, yeah exactly you need like, quality you, of life you need happiness yeah if you went through 10 years of your life and you played the drums every day and you did nothing else and in 10 years time you were the best drummer in the world would people say would people say you've had a good life because you're the best drummer in the world mm. but you've also spent the last 10 years in your room drumming constantly so you've missed out on everything else it's, it's just an interesting dynamic and thinking yeah so yeah interesting being like do you give your all? Do you not? Is it worth it? Quality of life, happiness, driven. Yeah. You know, it's trying to make sure you're actually... My dad said it to me recently. He, he texted me <laughs> quite cute. He was saying, um, life is so short. Don't worry about making money and don't worry. Like, you will make money. You'll, you'll have a life where you can live comfortably. We, yeah. We're lucky enough to be pretty privileged where we you know, started. Yeah, yeah. He just said, just make sure you actually enjoy the time that's now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's good. Yeah, and I was like... Smell the roses, that's what I like to say. Yeah. You know, make sure you, you, you look at that rose bush. No, just walk past it. Yeah. yeah have a sniff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about um, social media. Right. I, I'm a massive social media addict, and shamelessly so. That's um, not a bad thing, though, in this day. I mean, I, I didn't use... I didn't use... Properly use social media for about two years. I took a time out. Yeah. I was using it too much. I felt like I was refreshing my feed every five minutes. Mm. But I know what you mean, and I, I, sometimes I take a break, and even now, my, like I put my phone face down <laughs> to try and concentrate on this. Um, and sometimes I will. Sometimes I put my phone on flight mode. I think flight mode is, is more than when you get a flight. You know, it's a it's a state of mind. No, I, I completely honestly, I think. Have you looked into those uh, retreats where you like take a week out from technology and you just? Really, I, I've sort of seen them in films and stuff. But please, I'm, it, I'm kind of one with my phone now. <laughs> but it's weird, isn't it? Because imagine if you. If you said to yourself, I'm not going to use my phone or call anyone or speak to anyone, like family, for friends, for one week, 
which means that yeah, and you take it off work so you just find yourself in a position where you you do stuff purely for you it's interesting isn't it let's talk about the negatives of social media we, you know, we all know the positives because we all are addicted to it that's why it's what would you say yeah it's, it's, it's why um, it's why alcohol sells it's why everything sells yeah. because it's good but because obviously when we're talking about psychosis it, it manifests itself in a in, and mine particularly manifests itself via social media yeah I think with me at the time as well I was sort of nightclub promoter wanting to kind of be Mr Popular at uni uh, probably being Miss Popular at uni. Yeah, successfully. <laughs> um, yeah, sort of shouting about everything. And sort of like, I was doing, I was definitely doing stuff to make it funny on social media, whether it be a Snapchat stories or writing a funny caption for an Instagram post. And I'm kind of like, I realised that it was ridiculous and that it was bad. But I kind of like, was like, I'm actually having a really fun time doing this. Yeah. It's, so it's, it was kind of like, I'm just going to keep doing it. And then sort of coming out of the whole psychosis thing where I was kind of just like, checking my phone all the time I wasn't having as much of a fun time as the medication that's fucking shit and all this stuff and then kind of like realising you know there's more to that kind of like enjoy the moment more than like trying to capture the moment constantly um, just feel it a little bit more um, but then I think it's also a bit crazy to be like I'm going to delete all my social media accounts because it's like in this day and age you kind of need a bit of it like to stay connected to people uh, the only I, the only yeah. issue I would say is that so I, I've, I've had so I've had Instagram for about two months now Crazy. and it's good because you, you you're able to catch up with your friends more because you know if you see if you haven't seen a mate for a while you're not going to say tell me everything you've done in the last two months you'll say how are you doing how's work and you, so you, yeah. you may not brush over every topic so yeah. social media gives you that thing of saying oh I saw Chris went to Spain last yeah month. that I was think, cool yeah. the only issue I've got is that it's the perfection that is Instagram versus yeah. reality, yeah. It's and it, it, it's so I, I get it as well. I, I go on Instagram and I go, okay, this is this is my personal feed. People need to see me at my best, all of my best photos. Yeah. Because otherwise, I'm not going to be that attractive to the outside world. And yeah. you just think like, how unhealthy it is that the majority of people we follow, in terms of reality stars, they have a professional photographer who does their photos. Yeah. yeah. They have, you know. Well, even you see people on the street and you see them, oh, I look in Soho, you literally walk past them standing outside a shop for half an hour getting yeah. like 50 photos and I know one of them will get on Instagram but they have, and they'll be like, oh my God, look, she was in Soho having such a great time or he was in Soho. But then to be fair, have you ever felt, I've felt that thing where you look at someone else's life and you kind of go... Yeah, oh my God, they're having such a great yeah, time. Yeah, you kind of go amazing. like, oh, he, he, personally, it's, it's, it's normally I'll look at either, I'll probably look at a guy because I, I like to compare myself to other people yeah. very unhealthily, but as in, I'll, <laughs> I'll look at them and go, they've got a better physique than me, they've got better fashion sense than me, yeah. they are doing more exciting things than I am. Yeah. Am I, am I, you know, not as worthy as they are because they're having a better time, they're doing more interesting things, you know, mm. I'm just going to work every day and then, I, you know, in the weekend I see my friends. And it's just, it's just finding that thing of, you know, where's the, where do we draw the line? Because, and this is something that I actually thought I was going to ask you. Would it be interesting if everyone on Instagram or whoever wanted to be involved mm. once a week posted the most honest thing about, like, even if it was boring, literally, if you if you posted your morning your morning commute to work or I your or your I cup of zoo, it's great. Yeah, you have an Instagrammable uh, walk to work. Mine is driving to Watford every day. <laughs> But it's just interesting, like, you know, um, if you could see a photo of someone every day that is, you know, they're no makeup, no filter, yeah. it's just them, you know, doing their shit, looking bad, it would maybe make people appreciate... Yeah, I think that, yeah, go on. I think that has been an element of that, I think, I don't think you can force people to do it, I don't think that's ever going to work, but there has been stuff like the no makeup selfie or whatever yeah. like that, which is moving stuff in the right direction. I think it's all just an awareness thing of everyone sort of understanding what you see on Instagram or whatever isn't really reality and sort of like what's in front of you is reality and it's like basically what you're seeing is everyone at their best and you need to kind of understand that uh, but trying to force people to kind of post stuff or whatever I, don't, I like to post I do like to post the, the rogue thing like yeah. sometimes I post myself like with a bit of a beer belly for example but as a bit of a laugh as a bit of like a funny thing but also kind of like just like you know owning who I am like, I don't have a good physique it's terrible do you think there'll ever be a situation where it's popular to post negative not negative thoughts or anything that's you know dangerous in a way but yeah. things that aren't you know 
the most positive output that you've yeah. got. Because there are some people that do that now. I, I know some people that do. But what becomes dangerous is they almost do post the negative stuff for a positive reaction. It's almost like fully twisted. Yeah. Um, and it's like they're using a negative their view of possibly say for example someone's got health problems they start posting about their health problems all the time kind of for gratification or positive reaction or just attention and it's like it's not kind of like that's unhealthy for them because they're relying on people reacting to the social media stuff so people are generally caring they're like oh I should do something because I've seen it all over Instagram or Facebook Um, again that's the difficult thing is that anyone who anyone who's strong enough to to put that out there and say you know like let's let's just look at depression let's say there was an instagram page just about this guy's depression he says every day i wake up and i you know feel like this the problem is is that can then be looked at as him being indulgent potentially potentially like looking at your negative and turning it into a way to get more followers more people interested i know it's and i know it's difficult because that's kind of that's kind of one of the only ways to get it out there but that's kind of the issue I have with um, celebrities in terms of the fact that it seems like it's very easy to jump on a bandwagon of mental health or something like that because it, it makes you it propels you into this wider range and it, ma- it makes you more marketable yeah rather than and actually I give credit to Justin Bieber I don't know if you saw the post recently I it, no, no. Um, he, he basically came out and explained the 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 fact of being someone from a normal town in Canada, becoming so famous and rich and and so quickly yeah, yeah and not actually being able to deal with it and all the shitty stuff he did not shitty stuff but just stuff like you well, know he went drag racing he was being a bit of a dick, he just said like, I didn't know how to deal with the situation I was in oh. and you know he's he's had drug problems and drink problems and of course he has yeah. because because you know if you're in that situation and people say well money's not an issue anymore. Well, I think I kind of think money is one of the key things that keeps you grounded because it it pushes you to want more in a way. I know it's capitalism in yeah. a way. It pushes you to want more. And it kind of limits you to an limits you well, to stuff yeah. you can do. But if you if that's not a an option, if you've got money, it's very hard to stay grounded in terms of you know what am I doing this for? You know, I know a singer has, you know, they want to sing and they want to produce music and that's that's their drive. But also yeah. it's that thing of. I don't know. It's just an interesting. It's an interesting try. Like, and I think I think actually, what would be very good is if I might try and start doing it. Is you know, obviously, along with this podcast, trying to promote being yourself and actually having like a shit, whatever hair day or something like that. Just trying to say that your life is never going to be a hundred percent Instagrammable. Yeah. But that's fine. Yeah, I think there is. Yeah, an awareness of it. I think there needs to be more movement in that direction. But I think there's stuff like people post Instagram versus reality of like a perfect picture and then like a shit one. Yeah, and that's... that's and then, although it's a little thing and a bit of a joke and almost a meme, basically, it's kind of like, it's moving in that direction. And I think that it has done that slowly. Yeah. But I think there needs to be more oomph behind it and yeah, anything you can do is... Fantastic. Okay, I want to know your favourite song now. This is really tricky for me. Um, I take music very seriously. I, I've worked in and around music for a few years. Uh-huh. Um, what I'm going to tell you is my favorite song at the moment, and at the moment it came on that really sort of made me feel something. It was it's Fleetwood Mac landslide, um, and sort of I was walking like I said, really nice walk to work. I have uh, walking from my dad slash mine near Primrose Hill yeah. to work in Soho. It's a great, nice, lovely walk through Regent's Park, and I was just sort of coming around Regent's Park. It was a little bit cold and grey, and I just started noticing some orange leaves kind of falling down, and landslide is kind of a song about changing. And as I said, it's such a great summer. I just felt sort of like I love my throat and just feeling like yeah. the summer's come to an end. But, you know, not necessarily in a bad way. It's just like, what a lovely time. And it's the way it's ending. And that song just really makes me feel something every time I hear it. Um, in a way, do you, I don't know if you do, but uh, I enjoy kind of that melancholic change of the fact that, you know, you can you can love that moment and then you can appreciate the fact that it will end. But that's yeah. not a negative. It's like a no. It almost makes so it's almost made the summer better. That yeah. it's limited. <laughs> so should we talk about school and university? Do okay. we talk about education? Okay. Let's education talk about your. I want to know your progression because I'm so I yes. met Chris um, for the first time like a, a, camp, oh, yeah, yeah. a summer camp, camp about that. Yeah, before we started the school. Uh huh. 
And so me and Chris met that first time, and obviously... I completely forgot about that. I yeah. know, yeah. And, it's, it's, um, uh, and he was wearing this uh, funny T-shirt saying, Dolphins, Dolphins are just gay, gay sharks. sharks. Yeah. yeah, fucking hell. Um, wow. But as in, so... <laughs> Captain Market, but we are right this very moment in time. Yeah. Uh, so, but, so from that moment, you were this... Uh, outgoing, funny, thirteen-year-old. Yeah. You, know, you you were you know I remember you were sort of because I went to this camp with cousins and friends and stuff. You were there on your own. Yeah. And you were so outgoing. I remember like I, one of the only people I actually remember from that thing. Yeah. So I from had, yeah, from that point, I think I sort of had peaks and troughs in my teenage years. I was sort of a late bloomer. I mean, I had a very high voice for ages. Yeah. I was quite short. Yeah. Weak at sport. Um, and I had sort of my parents' divorce sort of rumbling along my background. So for me, sort of those early teenage years were a bit up and down. Uh, and b- sort of before becoming a teenager, teenager, I was a lot more outgoing and, and like funny and a bit more like probably more myself. But then that sort of rocky period of being a teenager, I think everyone goes to that to an extent. Uh, yeah, it's probably the time where you notice your personality change a lot. Yeah, I kind of feel like I've kind of gone a little bit full circle now and kind of feel more like I did as a kid. In being a bit more outgoing and stuff, um, I enjoy. Weird, because I enjoyed sort of year nine and when we first were like in the dorm and hanging out loads, yeah. and then sort of like a bit more into a bit more to the middle of school. I kind of like had a bit more ups and downs. I think you're kind of like trying to find yourself, trying to work out school. Exams get really stressful and stuff. Blah 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 blah. blah. Um, and then sort of I did enjoy sixth form quite a lot as well, especially towards the end of sixth form. I kind of like enjoying this whole journey, and because we went to boarding school, it's kind of like there these these guys that have literally gone from 13 to 18 and you've sort of been together the whole time you've been on this whole great journey I think we were quite lucky in that we all, we all sort of got on really well as a house but yeah. I think we had a really lucky we had a really nice group and sort of like come to the end of that school journey I was like actually you know what yeah, these guys have made it like a lot better than, than it could have been and it's been really nice um, and then yeah from that to go to uni I think what has prepared me really well for uni especially my uni was a campus uni not a uni yeah. and it was sort of a bit boarding school kind of style-esque so I just really hit the ground running. And I sort of, as well, I, there's another my mental, physical health thing, I guess, but affected my mental health. I had two really big alarm operations yeah. in um, sixth form. And it meant I missed about three to six months of school. You came and visited me. I, sort of, I was pretty shit. Uh, what films did we watch? What films was it? We watched uh, Fever Factory. Uh, Fever Factory? No, Fever Pitch. Fever Pitch, sorry, I think. About the Arsenal. Uh, About the Arsenal, yeah. Paul, Colin Firth, uh, amazing, amazing film. Amazing film. And Time Traveller's Wife, and I <laughs> cried my bloody eyes. Time tra- so, I'm just going to throw this out there. Time Traveller's Wife is <laughs> possibly one of the best films that no one knows. <laughs> it's got Rachel, Rachel McAdams, who is, Ray, Rachel McAdams, sorry, who is possibly the woman I'd like to marry one day if she does ever hear this podcast. Like, I'm still interested, if it even is 10 years down the road. Um, and Eric Banner? Yes, I can't. Honestly, I've not watched it since because I, I find it so emotional. That I can't. It's it's I can't a, it's a sure real. I can rewatch it. But it was a real emotional film. But also the obviously the, the journey I'd been on it, it just helped you kind of like just release everything. Yeah. Uh, anyway, from that long period, at multiple points during that point, I thought I was gone. I thought I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> at different stages throughout the whole journey. But looking back on it, I kind of like when I recovered, I was like, "Fucking hell!" And then he died there. Yeah. And I felt like I spent my whole life preparing for my life. And I was like, it's kind of like what you were saying about your dad said to you earlier. Yeah. And I was just like, fuck this, I need to fucking live. So when I got to uni, I not only kind of was more settled than everyone else, I was fucking ready for a party. Yeah. I remember <laughs> I remember visiting you in first year. Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously we'd been really close mates for five years at that yeah. point, but I'd never seen you in a situation where you were so, you were the main guy. And maybe at school you were less no, of the. Yeah, definitely not. I just felt like I just felt like when I saw you there, I was like, wow, like he's everyone's go-to guy. They all, you know, and and being the centre of attention, that's thing. It, it kind of pushed you to, to to sort of, I don't know, become the person you are now. Because I think mm. you were kind of you you could be introverted at school in a way. Yeah, and there now were situations. I'm not my third personality test now. Well, wait, you're, you're the first person in this podcast. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. a big. But it's it's true. I remember you know. Uh, yeah, just being there, just thinking, could this guy's come out? You know, he's talking to everyone. Everyone's wanting yeah. a bit of him, and I'm kind of almost proud to see the way that you developed. Yeah, it's just... I think it's a it's a multiple asseted thing. I think, like you said, when you first met me, before I was, that would have been pre my parents getting divorced. That had been pre struggling with puberty and stuff like that. That was kind of I was extroverted then for sure, but then to kind of have the whole puberty journey, which everyone has, and divorce, which a lot of people have. But then 
and then sort of flash out of that with like you know you fucking die fucking go for it yeah. <laughs> it was quite a fucking wave um, yeah okay uh, so I would like to know on the subject of uh, education your favourite book doesn't My have to be Shakespeare book. doesn't have to be the bible I know that's I'm not very good at reading books I'm very good at starting books and my mum likes to say I'm not very good at finishing books and I will buy sort of four books at once <laughs> and just not finish them uh, I really like 1984 yeah. I feel like the sort of the effects of it afterwards and you realise there's certain words that it's created that are sort of in modern day society and I think it's a lovely story but it's such a creative fantastic idea yeah I quite enjoy in that for, uh, when they I think it's I think it's nineteen eighty four when they talk about the words yes and no becoming the same thing. Yeah, and it's, how yeah. interesting that topic is. Really, weirdly enough, so when I got psychosis was when we went to we went to Bali and I did loads and loads of magic mushrooms. Yeah, sort of something weird for the first time in ages, and that's what sent me loopy basically. I was reading nineteen eighty four, and when I got to the hospital, I was a full messiah complex at this stage, really dark, really crazy. I tried to flush the full contents of my rucksack down the toilet. Including a copy of 1984. Yeah. And they saved most of the, the, the contents of my bag, and the book was wet, obviously, from the toilet. <laughs> and the pages were all over the place. But they managed to save it, and when I finally recovered, I, I finished the book, and I, and I yeah, I enjoyed the end. It's, it's a nice uh... a nice story. Another weird one, again, I feel like I'm touching on the psychosis a lot. Yeah. Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Yeah. Which is amazing seeing, like, through the eyes of someone with autism done yeah. so well. I, have you seen the theatre? So I thought. Amazing. I really didn't. Yeah. Because I know the way they set it up, I don't know if it was the same for you, they had um, sort of chalkboards up at, like on the floor and then mm-hmm. on the sides. And it yeah. it really yeah. highlighted the way that if you've got autism, how you can have six or seven different things going on in your head at the same point when someone asks you, how would you like a cup of tea? And you're sort of going, you're going off in all of these different like... How, like yeah, yeah, and it's just a completely really different way of thinking and seeing. Yeah. I think that's what I like from a... A book, and I'm not really a film. So I think the film, sometimes I just want to take it easier. If I'm doing a book, for me, it's a lot of effort to read. Yeah. So I like, I'm, if I want to commit the effort, I want to really get something out of it. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Nice. Uh, let's move on. So I'm going to ask you about your dating and love okay, life. Okay, let's do it. Boom. So uh, right now we touched on it. Um, we have touched on it. You're, I'm not going to name any names. No, obviously we don't. We 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 only need your name. That's you're the important part okay, today. Great. Um, yeah, I've just very very recently started seeing someone new and it's going fantastically well. So that is lovely to hear because <laughs> that's probably one of the best parts of like a new relationship is that excitement really nice exciting uh, feeling yeah and we sort of have some mutual friends and I know that she thinks it's going great as well I said it's great and she said it's great so it's that great it's nice it's nice for someone to look at you and say yes a shock really isn't yeah. it look <laughs> <laughs> well, thank god this isn't TV maybe it is yeah that's good um, I don't want to jinx it so what I have a classic case of doing is I, I think you're probably similar is that I find someone I like, I'm like, right, this is great, let's do it all the time and make it too intense too quickly. Yeah. And especially after my last relationship, well, last two, well, proper relationship and girl I was seeing, I've sort of realised this, and my friends have said, yeah, you do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. So I'm wary of it this time. I've said it to her, if we're going to, because, like, we did one date, and then she was like, wow, we've done four sleepovers in a week, and I was like, yeah, so I make things too intense too quickly, so just to make you aware, just say and we can just slow it down a bit because I'll, I'll do that. But I think I think that's... It's, it's very easy for me to talk about us in a similar way because I do think we're very similar people. Yeah. But just the fact that once I am... Once I'm happy with someone, I want to go all in. Maybe because I'm afraid that it will... It will Maybe. go I, too I, quickly. I'm similar in that. Do you understand sure. what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like the fact that if I, if I like someone, and that's, you know, you don't like someone every day. If, if I like someone and they like me, I'm all in because otherwise... What's the point? Yeah, and and I know I and I know what it's yeah. like to 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 lose that. Therefore, it's e- it's easier for me to to say, well, I'm all in now, rather than yeah. I think I'm I'm all in or all out these days. Like, I, I, some people are wired very differently because I have friends that are like happy dating for you. Like, wow, she's great. She she's really hot. And I'm like, you dating someone? Yeah. yeah, I know. But, <laughs> like, what do you think about? Because have you done the online dating thing? Uh, bits off <laughs> some apps. Yeah. Do you? What do you think? Because it's it's. I I've, I've touched it. I've I've sort of I've glanced over it. For me, I just find it really awkward. It's gonna sound, uh, you know, just to be fucking honest. I, all I've done is I've done a booty call from one. Yeah. Um, I, I find it really awkward to go on that first date or first drink, and it always causes me so much anxiety to go on that awkward first date. That for me, it wouldn't be worth. It wouldn't be worth the potential gain. 
Yeah, I I kind of I completely agree. Like, it's that first part where you have nothing to. It's like um, you've heard the expression a tent pole in in TV pro- programmers. No, no, no. So a tent pole is like um one big programme that BBC might have that then they base their whole season around. Oh, okay. Right. Um, and it's kind of that thing in the same way of a relationship, how it's so important to have that temple of a thing that you have in common or a night that you spent together. Or, you know, mm. that first night you meet someone in a, in a more, you know, normal situation, you can at least go back to that temple and say, oh, so, you know, what were you doing there that night? Or what, you know, what friends were you with that night? Or but it, the app is kind of a bit. The like... app la- lacks the fact that you've got this thing that pulls you together. Okay, yeah. you can have you can have things in common with people, but not that doesn't necessarily not, mean not that a moment, you're. Not yeah. A moment, yeah. Whereas you, know, you can get shared memories later on. But the, yeah, but, but it's not the same. It's, not, it's that thing of it's that thing of having friends in common. You can you can use that as a as a way to go. Oh, you know, we have this friend in common. You know, do you know all this? Yeah, it gives you that thing to base your early days around and then once you've you know gotten comfortable with someone then you make your own stories but I, I do just think that, that online dating it lacks that personal touch you know you don't you don't know this yeah, person I feel you like don't... certain apps have been better recently like Tinder absolutely 100% really really does and mm-hmm. it's just literally like do you think they're fit or not but then more recently apps like Hinge and Bumble what you say a bit more and Hinge you have to fill out the questions yeah so it's like you have to put yourself out there a little bit uh, which is better, but I can, I still agree with you, for sure that um, it's limited. Yeah. I think uh, what is weird is when so I've been working in around nightclubs, not not recently, but back in the day, with the emergence of apps like that, attendance drops at clubs. Really. Because you have so many people that have just before the apps would go out for on the pull. Yeah. And um, a lot of people don't have to do it anymore because they just that's, use the apps. That's the sad the thing that I find way. is that whereas maybe. T- 10 years ago on a Saturday night if you were looking for love you're looking to date someone you'd go out and try and find it and and if even if you didn't find it you'd mm-hmm. have not the experience because not that is an experience but it's, you, you'd have done something with your life that meant you weren't sat inside doing nothing yeah. whereas now I, 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 I worry sometimes mm-hmm. you know, thinking about the world that, that no but that, that there are people in certain situations who will find themselves Swiping left and right on a Saturday night because Instead that's of, the way they think that they've got the yeah, best chance. Yeah, I think it's a two-edged sword. So you've got less creepy guys in nightclubs, but then you've got more creepy guys. You've got more creepy guys on in the internet. On the internet, always been creepy guys on the internet. I don't know. If that's less threatening. Do you know what I mean? A girl can switch her phone off. If a girl's on a night out with her friends trying to have a nice time and a guy's feeling her ass, yeah, that's a lot more threatening. I I do generally agree with you. Yeah. In that the apps are a bit weird and sad. I think there are lots of people that don't do them, don't like them, and, and just feel just like it's not the same as social media where you have to be on them. I just think, I just but, think personally, um, I have I've done a bit of the dating apps, and the people who I've had relationships with, mm, or you know, I've from the apps. Yeah, yeah cool. and I, and I know people that have, but I just I just think for me, it's it's, not as it's having me. that. You know, yeah. I think generally I agree with you. I think it's a bit more nuanced. Yeah, but also if you if you if let's say you set me up with a girl, I know that you've kind of looked at that girl and gone, oh, they could they could work. It, yeah. It's that second. And it means a bit more, and you've got a mutual friend. Yeah, and there's all yeah. these things that then you know. Whereas if literally I speak to someone who's a thousand miles away, I have no idea who they are, where what their story is, and we meet up, and the only thing that based that based on us meeting up is our looks. Very hard to. F- yeah, it's shallow, isn't it? Yeah. Um, okay, it's let's shallow. let's move on to. Um, so I want to know your favourite dish. Am I cooking? Actually, you know what? No. No, it is. Sunday roast, but I'm cooking it. Uh, really? <laughs> Sunday roast. To be fair, Sunday it's my roast. Last, my last day because it's got a little bit of everything. Uh, that's your desert island dish. If you have that's to have a desert dish. Yeah, yeah, but I want to cook it as well because I what I love about the Sunday roast, especially cooking with someone else, be yeah. really nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you like cooking for people or do you? you I like, like you? I like cooking for and with people. Yeah. I think like if you're cooking with a two with two or three people. Uh, you're cooking all together you're coming together I love the idea of a Sunday roast you know what I mean it's a lazy Sunday you've had a bit, bit of a busy weekend you've got nothing planned on Sunday you go to the shop together you buy all the bits oh can we do this can we do that we'll add this we'll add that yeah. you're all sort of seasoning stuff in a different way you're having a laugh while you're doing it you're watching a film you listen to music you sit down all together at the end of the, the lovely Sunday you have a big meal you save stuff for Monday you take it into work lovely no, I'd love to do it that completely. I completely agree. I completely agree. I love uh, that. Good. Yeah, um, so that's what I'd go for. I think cuisine-wise, which is completely different, obviously, because I'm a walking hypocrite, uh, <laughs> Pan-Asian. Pan-Asian. 
To be fair. Love sushi, love Thai, love Vietnamese. Okay, the second one I want to know is um, fair, your first date spot. So do you have a place? Because this, I do. I know I do. There's a so place... Today on the date, I've got a formula. <laughs> well, tell us your formula. No, tell, tell us your formula, but is there is there a place where you, if you've got your... your... If there's someone I want to impress on yeah. a date, yes, absolutely. Did I create this? No, I'm not taking credit for it. Go but on. it's very good. It just works well. Um, done it twice. Worked well twice. Probably should have done it twice. Uh, let me cut that bit out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come up with this. A dear friend of mine who remained nameless yep. um, came, just told me about this place and just how well it works. Secret Comedy Club. Um, in It's in Central, sort of Covent Garden-ish way. Yeah. If you go on a Wednesday, £1. If you go on a Thursday, £5. Cheap tickets. You It starts about sort of 7.30, so you can get a few drinks in a pub across the road. Easily fine. You can buy a pizza uh, down the road for £5. You can take the pizza in with you. It's a bit of food, it's not too much food. It's a bit of drinking, it's not too much drinking. There's, there'll be three or four comedians on. There's breaks in between for about 50 minutes between comedians. Good time to chat. So you, good time to chat, but not too much pressure on the <laughs> chat. You've also got something to kind of relate on afterwards. If you want to go for a drink afterwards, there's a pub across the road. So no pressure on you to stay. If you want to cut ways after comedy, fine. I don't cut ways after comedy. You go back to the pub, you drink a bit more in the pub. There's a pub at the road, so it's open to work one if you're really going for it. But by the time you get to one and you're still drinking, you're in. <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I've never heard something so amazing in my life. That literally, I might have to. Because I have. Take I've it. actually. I didn't come up with it. I'm not saying I'm not going to come up with it. I've actually done a comedy club recently for a first date, and it works really well because it takes up that time where you don't have anything in common. Is it uh-huh. like. As the a, thing is, always with a first date, even when I've known the person, there's always pressure on the conversation. Yeah, because you're thinking, you're like, this is a date. We need to have the best conversation ever because it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. it needs exactly. to... Yeah, pressure we need to know whether or not we're, we're going to... I've done live music before and it's good to discuss. And I still liked live music as a date. I did So Far Sounds as a date recently. Oh, yeah. had a really great time. As a first date, I think comedy's better. Yeah, because also lighter. you're getting that... Sounds geeky, but you're getting the endorphins from laughing, the from laughing, having yeah. a good time, and then that you kind of relate that to being with that person. Like, oh, you know, I have a good time with that person. It's nice. Yeah, it, it works very well. I've, I recommend like I I honestly, I think that's uh, to all the listeners out there. You've just been told an absolute <laughs> yeah. gold mine. Yeah. Uh, should we talk about your insecurities? My insecurities. Yeah, when you look at yourself or you think about yourself, it's difficult because some people would would sort of yeah. overthink about certain things about themselves in a negative way. Like I, I'd probably say I maybe I don't know, like I'm not satisfied with certain parts of my body Appearance or stuff. Yeah. I think physically I'm sort of at peace with my body now. Yeah. I was a lot skinnier, I've put I'm filling a tiny bit, I'm still pretty bloody skinny. Uh, I'm pretty lanky got a pretty big nose stuff like this but I was like I'm at peace with it like yeah. I owned it now it's part of me I'm sort it's, of I, think I have a laugh about it it's one of the most satisfying things when you start looking at photos of yourself and you go fuck it it's, it's me it's me yeah, it's, yeah you stop thinking oh I need a good photo of me or you know I need to like look yeah. left or right that is just who you are that's how everyone just, sees yeah. you I also think that as well like this summer for example I'm just like I've just started getting topless like I don't go to the gym I do a bit of yoga, I do a bit of running. I'm not in bad shape. Yeah. I can, I've got a bit of stamina, that's fine. But I just like, I don't have the great, greatest bod, but I've just been like, yeah, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm fucking hot. I've taken, yeah, that guy's gone to the gym. But also, you know what? also, people find that bloody attractive. Yeah, you know what? You know what's the most attractive thing, I think, in, in for most, obviously, confidence. yeah, confidence. Sure. If you literally, if you could own yourself and you can be confident and outgoing, that is more attractive than anything else. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Some girl might look on Instagram and go, oh, he's a gym model, he looks amazing. But if, if it, you know, and I know it as well, if, I would probably say most girls that I've been out with have actually come up, that they've come up to me and they've been outgoing with me and I've been and like... And then you've been like, wow, this person's cool. Yeah, them, yeah. yeah, whereas, you know, that whole thing of, if you're in a situation where you could be the most attractive guy there, but if you're bland and you're, you're not outgoing, you think... People just get bored of you, yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's a very interesting thing because, yeah, that, that kind of deals with your insecurities mm. because you go out, you know, you, everyone likes to go out and look nice, you know, you probably look in a mirror before you go and you go, okay, I look all right, you know, I've dressed, mm. you, you have good style, so you, you obviously care about what you... Well, it's a great style sometimes. No, <laughs> um, but, no it's true, it's true. It's the, it, is, it does seem like confidence is that one yeah. thing that people really feed on. Respond to, yeah, for sure. I think sort of 
mentally, um, sometimes I have to check in with myself and be like, am I being overly confident, arrogant? No, I don't mean, I, I sometimes critique my, um, I don't know if you've ever had this, sometimes I will, I'll be thinking in my head, I'm not on my best form. Yeah, oh, for sure. Definitely. Yeah, and, but then, I'll, and then I'll, I'll try and overcompensate for that, but it won't get me out of that rut. I'm worse than that. I will be like, I'm on bad form. What narcotic can I take oh, really? to get in better form? Yeah. yeah so it's true. it might be narcotic, narcotic. It might be. It might be at work, and I might have a coffee. Yeah. It might be. I need to have a drink and just loosen up. Like I said before the podcast, instead of drinking fucking something on blanc. Right no, now. I know, but I know what you mean. It's <laughs> it's that thing of I know that I'm fairly funny drunk. Exactly. So if I if I'm yeah. in a situation where I'm not that you know it's not flowing, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, if I have a few drinks. And that, you know, and which is a, dangerous. It's dangerous. Yeah, it's a very interesting topic in terms of having that that person who's good time, Chris. Uh huh. You know. Yeah, I definitely struggle with that at points. At points at uni, I was struggling work-wise or relationship-wise or at any number of things where I was just a bit like, oh, I'm just feeling a bit shit. I've made a bit of time to myself, and because I was always the funny, outgoing, blah, 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 life is all party kind of guy. I would be like people wouldn't would be shocked if I was a bit sad or a bit grumpy or a bit yeah. moody. And again, that's that's kind of what this podcast is about is is appreciating the fact that you know you might see someone loads of times during that year and go oh you know they they were just before having you know, a great time yeah yeah but, but deep down there's yeah because also you know that's that's another thing is that if you if you're having not mental it's it's easy to call it mental health issue if you're feeling a bit down if you're having a bit of a bad day. If you get drunk or if you take drugs or whatever, it can mask that feeling that you've got. Therefore, yeah. you'll be good time, Chris, again. Everyone will be having a good time. No one's ever getting to that part of you that's actually thinking, well, I'm actually not having a good time, but I'll make sure everyone else thinks, thinks I am. Thinks I'm having a good time. Yeah, yeah, you put on a show for everyone. And that, that's really dangerous. Yeah, you're because also... you honest and you're, you're bottling up your feelings. But also you get into the, into the routine of doing it. So, to... See out the podcast. Yeah. I would like your advice okay. to young people. So, what would you be able to say to yourself? Now you're twenty five. Let's say ten years ago. What would you say uh-huh. to a fifteen year old Chris who was going through his parents' divorce, who was slightly not himself at school? Who yeah. Was, you know. Okay. What would you What would you be able to say now, looking back? on that um, it's hard to sum up in one thing I think one um, one saying I've got quite a few sayings I like to live by and my dad always takes a piss out of me for living by these sayings one is, is roll the dice uh-huh. you know take take the risk take the gamble sometimes I think especially when you're young you can afford to take a bit of a risk and a gamble well I was in a fortunate position some people are more struggling and more close to the edge I think sort of people from my background or whatever or similar areas sometimes play it safe a little bit it's like you're only young once have a bit of a bloody pop but try and enjoy it alright that's a good one to live by okay well Chris Chris thank you very much for uh... it's been an honour honoured to be the first guest yeah I mean honestly I couldn't have uh, couldn't have done without you Uh, also you know I think it's been I think it's been a really good baseline for what this podcast is going to be about and what um... I hope I go on for the 10 year anniversary well mate you know 100th episode it's a big big, honestly uh, it'd be very interesting to see you know how the next year goes and for sure you know we come back and have a good conversation again but uh, yeah thank you very much for coming in congrats thank you mate Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, maybe even took a little from it. If you did enjoy it, give us a subscribe or a review. And uh, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at hunkydorypod. Thank you again to Chris for being the first brave soldier to bury his soul to the listeners. And a couple of massive shout outs to uh, our collaborators. Joel Stewart, who composed and recorded the music. If you want to hear more from him, you can give him a follow at joelstewart.music. Or you can find all his latest stuff on Spotify and to Chloe Allen for the amazing artwork she hand-drew for the podcast logo. If you want to see more of her work, you can give her a follow at Designs Henrietta. Finally, thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, This has been Everything is Hunky Dory.